all the grass was nicely manicured, and we had to make a decision. Are we going to let Jeff come in with his, with his uh, backhoe and make that mud patch or save the grass? We decided youth are better than grass. Amen? A lot of fun. We're going to put a little sign out there, you know, proud home base of for real. Great stuff. Summer has come to Minnesota. If you haven't noticed, it's nice and hot. It's funny, Minnesotans like to complain, don't they? It's so cold, it's so hot. Well, it's beautiful. It's Minnesota summer, and may I just encourage us, let's, let's do it together. Whatever you're doing this summer, do it together. If you're having a barbecue, invite some neighbors over. If you're going to go take a bike ride, find some friends to go bike riding with you. Don't, don't do this American, independent, I do it on my own kind of thing. Be the kind of Christian to say, let's do it together. And I see that happening throughout the church, whether you're camping or biking or jumping in the mud. It's better when we do it together. Let's do that this summer. And speaking of together, I just want to make a note on that baptism class. You know, I've had people say to me, I'm really praying, I'm asking the Lord about when to get baptized or if I should get baptized. My answer is yes. You know, should you love Jesus? Yes. Should you read the Bible? Yes. Should you get baptized? If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ and you've not got baptized as a believer, let's get baptized. Join us. We have, I think, four or five already signed up. It's going to be a great day. Come join us in the waters of baptism and take that step of obedience that Christ calls us to once we've made a decision to follow Christ. Amen? Let's pray. God of all creation, I thank you for the beauty of Minnesota summers. I pray, God, that every beautiful tree, every budding flower would remind us of the incredible creativity that there is in you, God of all creation. Be with us this morning as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are in the middle of a summer series, which I've entitled, What Makes a Disciple? My prayer is that as we review some of the different weeks, as we talk about some of the key points, that your heart would be good soil. See, my, what I do up here is I take the seed of the word and I throw it out, but where it lands really is an issue that you have to resolve. What kind of soil is in your heart? Where do those seeds drop? Do they just kind of bounce off your head or do they drop into your soul? And my heart is that they would drop into your heart, not just your mind. Your mind's where it starts. You listen to words, but that you'd say, Lord, drop these words, these truths into my very soul. The scripture says knowledge puffs up. That's if you just take it and keep it here at the knowledge level, but love builds up. That's where you let the words and the truths drop in and change you, where you'd see life transformation. And that's really what we're about. We're about seeing your life transformed. You can get all the information you want, but if you don't let it take root, then it's just a matter of head knowledge. So open your hearts to the word of God to you, even this morning. So some things we've talked about. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. And that's just not a churchgoer, someone who attends church on Sunday morning. That's good. Glad you're all here. But it's a follower of Jesus. And as I've been preaching this, I've said, Lord, how can I follow you better? How can I not just take all the principles of the word of God, but how can I 
really be listening to the leading and guiding of your Holy Spirit. I'm trying to clean out my ears and do that better. Just this week, I was talking to a uh, car salesman on a chat line, trying to figure out, we looked at a car, and I was talking to this, her name was Jennifer. I had no idea if she was 18 or 80. I was talking to Jennifer on this, getting some information. And as I was about to end the chat, I felt the Lord said, you should pray for her. I'm like, really? I mean, it's a car salesman, right? You know, it's not really, and like, yeah, you should pray for her. And I'm, you ever ask that question, is that really you, God? Or is that just some crazy thought passing through? I thought, no, I I'm, I'm want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I just said, hey, Jennifer, before I close, anything I can pray for you for? And she said, well, yes, and threw out a couple kind of generic thoughts, and I said, I'll be praying for you. I have no idea if it made any difference in her life. I hope so. I hope she went, wow, somebody's praying for me today, and who knows what it might open up in her life. I don't know. It's not the results that always tell us if we're hearing from God or not. It's it's learning to step out, and I just want to invite you to join me in this crazy adventure. Hear the voice of God and obey. Now, there's a whole other teaching of how we know it's God. I'm not going there this morning, but I just encourage us to be opening our ears to following Jesus in our day-to-day life, and that is an adventure, and that's kind of scary, but it's wonderful. It's part of what it is to be a Christian, to be a disciple. And with that is the disciple has a heart ready, eager to obey. So that when the Lord's speaking something, you're not saying, why me? Why not somebody else? Why would you? We're saying, we're like Isaiah, choose me. Choose me. Yes, I'm ready. And I think God is looking and saying, who's ready to obey? I think that's one of the reasons God speaks to people sometimes more than others, because he's going... Who's crazy enough to actually, crazy enough in the best sense of the word, who's obedient enough, who loves me enough to say, you speak to me and I'll do it. I'll walk up to somebody in a grocery store and say, God loves you. I'll, I'll do it, Lord. Let's have those hearts that are eager to obey. We talked about a disciple having Jesus enthroned over their life, really God is jealous to be the Lord of all. The Lord of all, of every part. And we talked about the issue of finances. Is the Lord the Lord of your finances? When you're going to spend money, are you bringing God into your expenditures, your investments? You know, Wesley, I believe he says, earn all you can, Save all you can, give all you can. Well, some of those are, how do you save all you can and give all you can? Well, you're led by the Spirit. You're led by the direction of God saying, Lord, when is it time to be radical, to give away my car? When is it time to, I know of somebody that gave away their house? That's pretty radical. People don't normally give away their houses, but they said God spoke to them and they obeyed. And I go, I want that kind of a heart that we would say, oh, everything I have is God's, and if God wants to transfer it from me to somebody else, well, that's, that's the Lord's business. May we be people where God is the Lord of everything that we own. Last week, we talked about a disciple as a servant. 
I was thinking about that, that we're called to humble service in the Lord. And when I say humble, I think of the sense that we don't need our name in lights. There's a song like that. We're not looking to put our name. I was, you know, it's funny. I, I was in the DR and someone was talking about a build. We helped build this center. And they said, we ought to call this, you know, the, the Norell Chapel. And I'm like, I really don't want that. Like, and if they did, it'd be like, I really, you know, it's, it's not about having Norell. There is a street sign I saw going into, into St. Paul, Norell Street. I have no idea, but I'll say that's after me. Yeah, that's good. I, um, you know, it really, it's not about getting your name or some plaque. or That's not, it's, it's a matter of having a heart for those who maybe are forgotten. Is that the way your heart looks? When you look and you're thinking of doing something, you think, who might be left on the edges? Who might need a hand out who might need a word of encouragement today and when we we do that we realize that when we're serving the least of these we're serving jesus when we're serving everybody you serve a friend somebody in the street somebody your ministry when you're serving your children really we're serving jesus and that is what god wants to have in a disciple's heart. So today, I move to a disciple knows how to fight. A disciple is a warrior. Psalm 144, a bunch of different scriptures this morning. Psalm 144, the Psalm of David. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. David saying, God prepares me to fight. Then he goes on. He is my steadfast love and my fortress. He is my stronghold. He is my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge. You know, David was an amazing warrior. He started off as a young teenager, killed the lion and the bear, got some courage that these mighty animals that he could, in the power of God, he could defeat. So he was probably strong, lots of energy, one of those young bucks. And then he brings his food out to his brothers. You know the story. And there's this, I don't know, some people say eight foot, nine foot tall giant. And the armies are trembling. Who could ever defeat that massive war machine? And David, some teenager, says, with the power of God, we can take him down. He's defying the armies of God. How dare we sit back? And David, some unarmed teenager with a rock and a sling, as we know, goes out. And, and you know, Goliath says, you know, mocks him. You're a dog. You come to me. It's like, what is this? But David realized that me plus Jehovah God, you're no match for that. He did not trust in his own strength, but he went to war against Goliath. And we know that he, he killed Goliath. And then the maidens sang songs. You can just hear these songs through the villages. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. How do you think that rang with Saul? You know, you're the king. Your people are supposed to go, the king, the king. 
And they're going, Saul, you're pretty good, but David, whoa, this guy took down Goliath. This guy is the warrior of warriors. I thought of my friend who's a pastor. I'll call him Pastor Z out in New York. He said, you know, he invited his evangelist to come preach at his church. Got a church of a couple thousand people. He invited this evangelist, didn't really know the guy very well, but this guy came and he said, after his sermon, you know, the people say, oh man, Pastor Z, you're good, but this guy was incredible. I mean, he is so good looking and he is so funny. He, was, he had me roll. This guy's incredible. When are we having him back? And Pastor Z said, well, you know, our schedule's pretty full. We plan wait. He said, well, how about next year? Yeah, it's full next year too. Pretty much as far as I can see, I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> David was an incredible warrior. And after he killed Goliath, he went on and he killed hundreds of the enemy. He was a warrior of warriors. I imagine he was, I don't see him as being a huge man. I see him being strong, muscular, quick, agile, an incredible athlete. And Everybody he faced, he went to war against, he could defeat. But David knew that behind his ability, there were other men that he faced who were probably faster, quicker, stronger, but somehow David had the advantage because he realized that everything he did was through the power of God. Do you realize that? You realize that every job you have, every task you do is by the power and strength of God. When you do something well, do you go, yeah, I'm pretty good at that? Or do you go, thank you, God, for the strength and the ability that you give me? David never lost the fact that it was God who trained him for war. It was God who gave him strength. He says in Psalm 118, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Psalm 146 Put not your trust in princes, in mortal man, who cannot save. You know, the Bible continually says, you know, and Israel had the victory over their enemy. And I can see some of these warriors going, Israel, or God gave Israel the victory. I can see some of these warriors going, God, I killed seven today. How many did you get? How many? I did this. Look at this strong army we have. And David says, no, no, no. Yes, we, yes, we sharpen our swords. Yes, we walk. Yes, we fight hard. But... There's a different level that you are not recognizing. There is a level of the Spirit where God has given us the victory. David goes on here in Psalm 33. No king is saved by the size of his army. That's what kings trusted in. My army's bigger than your army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance despite all its great strength. It cannot save. He was naming the things that we trust in. He's saying, nope, that's not it. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. David just continued to tell the people, don't trust in your own strength. Yes, there's things we do, but trust in the Lord. Paul in the New Testament takes this at a different level. He says in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 
though we walk in the flesh, that's what we see, that's our bodies, that's our minds, that's this world around us, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So folks, we are at war. There is a battle raging around us. There is a battle for the souls of our children. There is a battle for our families. There is a battle for our health. We are in a battle. You know, just doing some research for this, they said 50% of all adults in America will suffer some form of mental health problem in their lifetime. There's a battle for the health of our minds. Suicide has increased 25% over the last decades. It's surpassed now car accidents as as a killer in America. It's affecting our health. There's a battle for our families and the, just the destruction and the, the health of our families and divorces and abuse and dysfunction and drug abuse. There is a battle raging around us and the question is how are we going to fight it? You know, and it goes beyond that. There's a battle for our souls. And if we say, well, I don't really feel like fighting, then you've lost. If you say, well, I don't really see it, you're going to lose. Say, well, I don't really want to fight it. Well, then you're going to lose. We don't really get an option in this battle. It's coming at us. It's, It's within us, and it's coming at us, and we're called, and Christ calls us to fight. Now, I thought, you know, some people, there may be pacifists among us, there may be military among us, there may be NRA card carrying members among us. We're not talking about that kind of battle. That's not the topic this morning. In this battle, we all must fight. The question would be, of course, of how do we fight that? Because the battle really is for our very soul. In Matthew 24, 9, Jesus speaking here, he says, speaking of times to come, they'll deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Well, I say times to come. But maybe times to come for some of us, but many people have lived this out or are living this out today in other parts of the world. They'll deliver you up to tribulation. They'll put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will fall away. I want to say that again. Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another and false prophets will arise, lead astray many, and because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You know, many have fallen away. I don't want to ask for hands here, but if I ask for hands, I imagine everybody, if you say, do you know people who have walked with Christ, who have been in church, who have been followers of Jesus, who today are not? I think all of us do. People who once shared worship with you, people who have walked in the faith, but for many reasons. Maybe they got tired. Maybe they got deceived. Maybe they got hurt by things that happened in the church. The church is not a perfect place. 
because it's got you and me in it, right? If we just get rid of all of us, it'd probably be fine. Um, but the church is not the perfect place, and people don't do things perfectly, myself included. And people get hurt, and they, and they get discouraged, and, they, and I think sometimes they don't know how to fight. As I was praying about today, the image I felt the Lord show me was just like, we're standing here in a war, and here's all the weapons that we can fight with. There's the guns and the swords and the shields, and we have all these good weapons that we can fight with, and we're standing there kind of looking around. And if there's a word to the Lord to us this morning, I think it would be pick up your guns. Pick up your weapons. There is a war taking place, and we cannot be passive. And it just made me mad, really. It made me mad when I think of how many people have been picked off. How many people have walked away. How many people have been taken out of the battle by the attack of the enemy and the attack of the society. And I just say, no more. I just, I don't want to look down the road five years and say, how many of you are no longer walking with the Lord? too important. And God gives us weapons to fight with, and we have to learn how to not just defend ourselves, but how to take ground using the weapons that God has given us. So how do we fight? And as I was preparing this, I realized that God has given us a lot of weapons. That's why the picture became not just a gun, but a, a gun and a tank and a computers, and he's given us incredible, I'm not talking about weapons, right? You with me? I'm not talking about real guns here. I'm talking about spiritual guns. I'm talking about the power of the Spirit to defeat the enemy. And as I was preparing this, I thought there's, there's more here than one sermon should hold. So there's going to be a second part of this in two weeks. Next week, we have Jim McCracken with us, one of the best disciplers I know. He'll be talking about discipleship. But I'm going to carry this on in two weeks and take the second part of this. But what are some of the ways that we can win this battle? And the first thing is we have to recognize there is a battle. That we are at war. I think of my friend, Pastor Bob, who was in Romania. And he told these pastors who are laying down their lives, they're imprisoned, families have been separated. And he said, brothers, we're praying for you back in America. So these pastors look at him and said, you're praying for us? No, we're praying for you. He said, here we know the war. No one questions if there's a war. Parents are taken to jail and we're caring for their children when pastors are taken away. We're sharing homes and lodging and food and we're in this battle together as a community. But you in America, Oh, with all the distractions and all the deceptions and all the gray, how can you possibly, how can you do it? We're praying for you back in America. And I thought, wow, it's a different way of looking at things, isn't it? Because one of the problems is we have failed to realize the war that we are in. We must recognize the battle. In Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemer, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You want a good take home? You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
You do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand firm. So what's the battle that you are facing today? Is it mental health? Is it a physical assault? Is it a relational challenge? Is it, you can fill in the blank. What is the battle that you are facing today? Let me just say, these battles are real. They are not make-up. When you get a medical report that says something negative, it's a real battle. I do not believe God calls us by the word of God to live in denial. That's one of the abuses of this. You know what I'm talking about? Where you say it's the person who has big, thick glasses because they can't see, and they say, God's healed me, God's healed me, and they crush their glasses, and they still can't see. And they haven't been healed, but they stand over, they can't. And I don't believe God calls us to live in denial. Now, there is power in the words you speak. But I think God calls us to look at reality and then speak words of life over that reality. There's a situation I've heard of not too long ago where there's a man and his wife was sick. And he says, she's healed. And she got sicker, and he said, she's healed. And they, they wouldn't deal with the sickness. And then she died. And he says, she's not dead. God's going to raise her. Now it's been a time, and I think, and there's kids involved, and they're going, mom's not, and there's confusion, and there's hurt, and there's disillusionment with God. And, and I go, okay, I admire this man's faith. I admire his standing on what God has put in his heart, but I think he also has to look at the reality that he's walking through to say, my wife is sick. My wife is struggling in these areas, and I am standing on the word of God for her healing while she's alive. But there's a difference between that and saying, she's not sick. This isn't happening. She, I think there's a level of denial that I don't think God calls us to. These are hard issues. And we're called to battle. And so how do we do this? What are some of the ways that God has called us to fight? And the reason we have to fight is because I believe God calls us to abundant life, and abundant life comes with victory. And victory is when we learn how to fight against the battles that we face. So a couple things, a couple ways in which we can fight the fight. One is run away. Flee. There are times to run away from temptation. The scripture is speaking to young men in 2 Timothy 2.22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The word flee means to depart, to escape, to withdraw, to leave, to run away. And sometimes the answer when you're facing a temptation is to go, time to run, time to turn, time to flee that temptation. The answer is not, well, there's a temptation. Let's just see how close I can get. I'm strong in Jesus. I won't fall. Well, it, 
you know what? If I stay here long enough, I'm going over. Sometimes the answer is to flee those things that can take us down. Flee the temptations of this world. You know, most sins are a process. You don't become a a drug addict overnight. You have some emotional need. You gain some friends that aren't very good. You try a little something, then it takes a little further. It's a process till you become addicted. The answer is, well before that place, turn and flee those things that can take you down. I think my best story with that is, I've shared this once before, but I was in Bangkok, and I got to a conference, I got to a conference early, the night before, and I went out to the street to buy a watch. And I got out to the street, and I just was trying to buy a watch, and all of a sudden I realized I was in it, well, all the markets are this way in Bangkok, and I was surrounded by women saying, Joe, hey, Joe, come this way, Joe, come, and and they were actually grabbing my arms, and, and I was like, And I just woke up, like, you know, ignorant little me, just out buying a watch. And I woke up and went, and I ran. I ran. I just took off running. And I ran, and I ran back to my hotel, and I I remember getting the door and locking the door. I was like, where's my Bible? You know, get my Bible. And I just read my Bible. I thought, what do you do? I mean, it wasn't even, I thought, I just have no place to be out here. This is just, what do you do? Do I stand in the middle of all that and say, I'm a son of the king. I can do all. I can stand. You know, I can do all through Christ and stay. No, you just, it's just, sometimes it's good to flee. It's one, there's times armies go retreat, regroup. Sometimes we need to run away. And the answer is not, I'm strong. I can walk into any temptation. I can walk into any situation and nothing will take me down by the power of God. That is not the answer. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape, of fleeing, of getting out of there that you may be able to endure it. Too many people have fallen into sin. And you know what I hear often? I never thought it would happen to me. I mean, that was for other people. I just never thought that that would, and I say, think different. Realize uh, the ability that, that Satan is strong and our flesh is weak. And sometimes we need to be wise. And the first answer is sometimes we need to run away. Secondly, resist. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I like that better. I love the idea that Satan will flee from me as we resist him. But I looked up that word resist, and it says to prevent by taking action. This is not a passive gritting your teeth. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going that direction. I'm gonna. It's not that. It's a resisting by taking action, of going after him taking action in the power that God gives us. We resist by fighting back. The scripture says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Satan's not attacking you with his gates. He doesn't pick up gates to beat you with. It means we're taking ground from the enemy 
and the gates are not going to be able to withstand us as we're taking ground. That's how we resist the enemy. One of the ways that we fight is with prayer. We've got to be a praying church. You need to be a, pray, a person of prayer. And I know it's hard sometimes, and it, it can be challenging to put that into your life, but we've got to be people of prayer. If you have a marriage where there's no communication, you have problems in your marriage. Our communication with God, where the bride of Christ is through our prayer life. And one of the ways I've been discipled, one of the ways that this lady, Helen, I appreciate, she, one of the, her, she's 92 years old. Can I say that, Mom? I just did, didn't I? Um, but I hear her praying. I hear her praying late in the night. Sometimes she doesn't know I can hear her. You head out to the bathroom at 2 a.m. and you hear her going, oh, Jesus, Jesus, she's praying out. And I think there is power in a grandma's prayer. There's power in all of our prayers. And that we have to learn how to fight in prayer. And you know, when we're in that battle, the battle seems so tangible. Let's say it's in your marriage, or let's say it's in your home. It so much seems that the battle is this way. But there is a battle that is in the heavenlies, that is a different level of battle that we must learn how to fight. And if we don't pick up those guns and fight, then we're at a grave disadvantage. Fighting in prayer, learning to take our petitions before the Lord. Have a prayer list where you're, you're, you're naming off people that you're praying for. I would always joke, and I'd say to my kids, just serve Jesus or Grandma's going to put you on her prayer list. And then you're just done for. Just, just, get, just serve Jesus. And they're, okay, Dad, I, I don't want to be on that. Yeah. And I like that. And the few grandchildren who are not following the Lord, they're on her prayer list, and I hear their names being brought before the throne on a regular basis. We must be people of prayer, people that are, that are bringing the needs and the situations. And when you're in a challenge Take these to the Lord. Another way we fight is through worship. And what a powerful tool. You know that song, it's by um, Michael W. Smith. Very simple song, it's on the radio. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. A lot of power in those simple little words. It may look like the situation around you is really bad. But what I believe he's saying is I fight my battle through worship. And when I surround my life and engulf my world in worship, then although I'm surrounded by problems, the greater reality is my eyes are open. And I'm surrounded by the Spirit of God. And we fight the battles through worship. Find songs that you can sing throughout the day. Bring them into your workplace. Bring them into your home. Fight the battle through worship. It's a powerful tool. Every morning, every Sunday morning when we're up here worshiping, there's spiritual warfare going on in your mind, in your soul, in this room. We're fighting a battle as we say, I'm going to lift up Jesus above my problems, above my conflict, above my mental health. I'm going to lift up Jesus through worship. 
And the last one for this morning is we fight the battle through forgiveness. You know, I, I heard a Christian brother tell me recently, I'm, I'm never going to forgive that. I can hear I'm struggling to forgive, but when I hear I'm never going to forgive that, my heart just, you know, you, you try to be sensitive, but when you say I'm never going to forgive, you're saying, really, I'm going op- to leave a window open for the enemy to attack me. So I'm not saying that. Well, yes, you are. Because forgiveness closes a door to the assault of the enemy in your life. Well, none of us want that. And I know forgiveness is hard. I know it can be brutal with what people have walked through. But if you want to fight a battle, forgive. Because you want that protection and you want to be set free. That's a whole other teaching. But one of the ways we fight the battle is to say, Lord, is there anybody I haven't forgiven? Oh, God, help me. Help me to find victory over the people that have really hurt me. We fight the battle through forgiveness. The scripture says that Satan might not gain an advantage. Wow. If you're at a battle, you want the advantage over your enemy. You want the bigger gun. You want the faster runner. You want the advantage because somebody's going to win. We don't want to give Satan that advantage in our lives. I've seen couples who have been really, really broken. And forgiveness has walked in. And it's messy, folks. But I've seen healing and reconciliation and, and freedom through the power of forgiveness. And folks, there's more weapons. That's why the picture I have is just a, the stage is covered with spiritual, godly weapons that God gives us. Don't be the person who's standing there going, good sermon, pastor, praise the Lord, let's go eat lunch and leave those, battle, leave those weapons on the floor. Ask God, which weapon would you call me to this week? What's a weapon that I can pick up? Maybe it's the weapon of worship, and you just want to have your car have worship music on, and your bedroom, and the bathroom, and everywhere you go, you're just gonna you're gonna be working out with worship music. You're gonna fight the battle through worship, or prayer, or forgiveness, or separating yourself from the sin. Whatever it is, may. God plant in your heart this morning a weapon that you can pick up to fight the battles that you are facing today. In Christ there is victory. We can do all through Christ and he's given us these weapons so that we can walk in that victorious life that he's promised for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the many weapons You did not leave us defenseless. You started by sending us the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that right now you would just speak to the heart of each and every man and woman here. And you just reveal a weapon that you've given them and that they can walk in this week. A weapon they can pick up and fight. 
that they would not be passive as they walk through this life, but they would pick up the weapon. And God, when they're tired, give strength, God. Thank you that we do not fight alone, that you've given us community, and that, God, you promise that you'll never leave us or forsake us. You walk with us. We're not alone in this battle, God. God, I pray for a spirit of encouragement over everybody here that we realize that while we have more ability to fight than what we knew, God, help us as we face the darkness and the hurt and the challenges around us. Help us to be those who have our hands trained for war and find the victory in you, God. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. May you have a good fight this week. May you win your battles in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're our guest this morning, I'd love to meet with you out there at the Welcome Center on the left-hand side. If you'd like someone to pray with you or seek the Lord with you, we're going to have a ministry team right over here.